0: Hi there. I would like to make an entreaty to you. Uh, we would like this show to grow really fast. And the only way that that can happen is if you help spread the word. We do not advertise at all aside from mentioning this show on other shows on the network so if you have friends who like music friends who like podcasts friends who you want to convince that rem is a good band uh send us their way we would like more people to listen so yeah uh, just direct them to fileunderwater.net and we will receive them happily thank you (laughs) My name is Cole Ross
1: And you're listening to File Underwater The show where we convince you That Murmur Was the best album It came out in 1983 <laughs> Walking it back Yes <laughs> Um yeah we're it's, here It's a different one each, each time oh, right? yeah. I can't remember if the second one Was different or not I,
0: I can't I can't remember either Um <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, we're here, uh, uh, continuing our kind of, or I maybe starting our run through REM albums. Does Chronic Town count? Oh gosh, Gary, I'm equivocating. Sure. Yeah, but, uh, but no, like this is, this is huge. I mean, Murmur is kind of a landmark, uh, and it came out on April 12th of 1983 and, uh, mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, revisiting this has been a, has been a delight.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, this is a really great, great record. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be cool to talk about. I mean, this was this is what made it big for them. Like everything leading up to this point, were kind of uh, local boys done good, um, you know. And Crying town came out. You know, we talked about that. We talked, and that was actually you know really huge and in, in Athens. Like people listened to it. You could hear it, you know, out the window of every house on the street. Yeah. But this is national. You know, this is the beginning of, of big R.E.M. Yeah. Um, there's still going to be some kind of like quaint quaint little bits, but this is kind of where it started. And it seems, uh, I think we mentioned this in last episode, perhaps, but like it seems like um, the this came out of nowhere. But again, this is three years into the band. Right. Um, they had time to kind of practice and get good and uh, and and kind of hone their craft.
0: Yeah. You know, a number of these songs are either just straight recreations of what happened on the demos that they put out initially, or they're songs that had, that that had existed since 1981.
1: Yes, and that's true for the next album as well. Yes. Um, so for these first few albums, there's going to be some kind of stuff that's from the very beginning of their career I got um, kind of, getting polished up.
0: I got kind of pissed off actually reading about the R.E.M. in this period between like 82 and 84, because if you look at their sets and if you look at it, just like, oh, you know, we're going to be touring in support of this album, but why don't we just play mm, a couple of the songs from about four albums out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah it's like how do you where, where do you get off actually doing this like why are you playing driver eight so early why
1: i would have, i would have lost my mind oh like, yeah. i would have uh, i would have loved it and been like hey when are you guys gonna do something with like that and then they would have been like who the fuck are you
0: yeah they would have mumbled and then and, and yeah. then got back into their huddle yeah yeah the um
1: actually that's uh one of the stories i was reading about this uh the band here when they were doing this tour uh around this time and and for the next album this got all kinds of blurs kind of blurs together right right um, in their life, but, uh, they actually, for the most part were really, you know, they, they talk a lot about, you know, when we talk about them not being like super rock stars, um, they were, uh, apparently pretty approachable, mm-hmm. you know, like they would go out to, you know, on these tours and they would meet people, you know, would come up and kind of talk to them and they would, you know, chat with them and stuff, which is, I, you know, I think the bare minimum, you're not obligated to do that, but that's best practices. Right. But they would be like, Hey, you know, come down to Athens and visit us. You know, and people would come down and see them at shows and stuff, and they would remember them. Like, they're actually, like, fairly approachable hmm. uh, for that stuff. But I don't, still don't think they would answer questions about, like, why Driver 8 isn't on Reckoning. <laughs> um, right. You know, but the uh, – uh, it is just – I just – I imagine, like, if I saw them, if I was, like, a, a groupie or what have you, which they had mm-hmm. at this point, that people who would follow them from show to show. Um, you know, and I knew the album. Hearing something like that, you know, or hearing Harbor code early or something like that would have just blew my – fucking brains out yeah <laughs> you know like i just i'm like whoa you know this is it's so good that they they have this new stuff like i can't wait for that to show up yeah uh, um, like, like, have you ever had that experience where you like see a band i've seen them a few times and you see a song before it ends up on a on a record
0: yeah yeah i went to see uh Aquerville river and they played uh, uh singer songwriter before they uh before they put that on an album it didn't even have a title at that point
1: hmm yeah, that's that's super fun. Yeah. Like when that hack I'm, and you can you can listen to it later and be like, "Oh yeah. Like, oh the the early version did this." Yep. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, really great. Obviously, my indignation at them being so prolific at this point and kind of just being a, a hit machine to use a weird cliche that I'm not sure is actually a cliche, that's played up for comic effect, but like it just speaks to just how ridiculous they were as a creative force at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 similar to you know, where the fuck do you get off? thing we talked about yeah with, the uh, with wolf and white deal. band yep. yeah <laughs> um yeah so at this point um where are the band's at 1983 um they're still touring constantly they're still writing really prolifically um chronic was a was a good success like did very well uh mostly kind of regionally right um you know it made it up to like new york and end up in like village voice polls things like that uh but mostly they are just kind of this is still a little bit of that uh not really living anywhere um living on the road, essentially.
0: Yeah. Be and be and be in road dogs,
1: road dogs. Oh, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh and, uh, kind of getting working on songs. Mm-hmm. Like we said, this is, this is when they write the foundation for murmur reckoning and a lot of fables. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, and they're getting like bigger, bigger venues at this, point, at this point, too. You know, they reluctantly agreed to open for the police at this point for a for a good amount of, of the them.
1: Copeland connection.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. IRS as well. Yeah. You know, they they went around and did these, but they're like, oh, this is a terrible experience. And none of the none of the band members actually believe it did them any good. Who knows if that's actually yeah. the case? You know, if I was at a police show and I saw her, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. I'll check that out. They just were not satisfied with the way that shook out for them.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a bigger thing than they're used to, right? But it does mark around this time, and you'll see uh, with the the live show uh, that we put in the show notes for this episode is that they're they're like on the other end of the wall of making the transition from living room party band to professional kind of touring act. Yes, kind of thing. Like it's still kind of like vital and, and crazy and weird. I know vital is the word I overuse a lot on the show. Yeah. It's still kind of very energetic mm-hmm. and kind and, of weird. Evocative. Evocative evocative, (laughs) energetic uh, the dark souls of live shows, Um, uh, but they still they're still like jumping around. It's still kind of crazy, but Mm -hmm. they're getting more polished. This practice is doing them huge amounts of good. Yeah, Um, and they are becoming like what will eventually be a band that like plays and owns stadiums. Yeah, you know, not literally owns them. But I mean like comes up there and commands the stage. This Mm -hmm. is them at the beginning of getting their confidence. They're not quite there yet, Mm -hmm. but they're definitely you can see it. Yeah.
0: You really can. Um, (laughs) Even though the confidence sometimes is obscured, um, like at this, uh, uh, oh gosh, the Letterman appearance, which is amazing. That was, uh, I I had no idea they did this. So I thank you for digging up the video. But like when they did, they decided, okay, we're going to do the interview. We don't have a leader. So Dave, why don't you come talk to us? Which was not something that happened. And then Stipe just walks off the stage. He's not there for the interview at all.
1: He sits on the ground by the drum set.
0: Oh, there we go. Okay. Um,
1: at the very yeah, at the very least uh, during the second part when they're where they're kind of talking, it's mostly like Mike Mills. Even it's not even Peter Buck. Right. Um, which is just, uh, and he's he's such an uh, he's like such a turtle, like he's such like an unassuming little nerd turtle, and I love it. It's <laughs>
0: great. Well, no, I just yeah. I, I love I love what it is cause, <laughs> because because. Letterman's like so why Athens you know why are all these bands coming out of Athens and Peter Buck's like ah, oh, there's nothing to do turns to turns to Mills and says oh why do you think your album is selling so well oh we we priced it cheaper.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really cute, like because uh, and we'll talk about that. Like this uh murmur. Who knows if that's the reason why it's an artistic triumph? Because uh, it's a six ninety eight instead of eight yeah. ninety
0: eight. That is that's such a bizarre thing to have to have. You know, a basis for a pretty big rock and roll band to 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 cite. Like, oh, records you'd normally it's, go for like seven ninety nine. This ours lists for six ninety nine, but you can probably get it lower. You know, if you want to. I,
1: I love it. it. It's so it's so cute uh, and so good. And what's uh, what's noteworthy is this is you know their first national TV appearance. They've done smaller ones. In the last uh, episode, there was a live performance that was broadcast on TV. We mentioned, and mm-hmm. um, this is like Letterman's a big deal. Yeah. And uh, you know you do that and you do it to promote. So they did uh, radio for Europe. Of course, that's the single, you know, or one of the two kind of big singles from a uh, from Murmur. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a chance. They they ran a little bit long, and the band the audience really liked them, mm-hmm. so they got to do a second song. Um, And they did South Central Rain, which is kind of the centerpiece song from Reckoning, Mm -hmm. which we'll be talking about next episode, um, before it had a title. Right. Um, You know, it's like they're just, yeah, this doesn't have a title yet. (laughs) Uh, And that's like one that's kind of a cool, ballsy thing to do. Right. Um, They actually did this. um, And I reading about that reminded me um, when I was like in peak REM fandom in the uh, my early teens and kind of late teens. They performed, uh, they did the Video oh, Music Award. Yeah, and the, the, did, that, that uh, track Wake, from,
0: um, oh gosh, they did Wake uh, Up new, new Adventures. Yeah, Wake Up On from our yeah. new, new Adventures in Hi-Fi, like a year before that album
1: came out. Yeah, when they ostensibly <laughs> were there for, you know, for Monster. Right. Uh, it was like in, in Post Monster, and like I just remember that it was just like whoa, a new song because I was so thirsty for like anything they, you know, I was had tons of tapes to listen to the B sides, and they were bad B sides. It's like Oh Rotary Eleven, sign me up, and it's like it's not a good song. Uh, it's it's a pretty boring instrumental. Yeah. Um. Oh shit. Uh. Cool. I found a YouTube that purports to be Jazz Lips. What? Jazz Lips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I I can't tell that it is, but I'll put it in the in the notes. Like we might have. We might have achieved jazz lips, Cole.
0: <laughs> I repeat, we might have achieved jazz
1: lips. Yes. Jazz lips on reentry. I I don't know that it actually is. It sounds mm-hmm. believable though. Mm. It sounds it's somebody who sounds like Michael Stipe kinda of mumbling over unlistenable tape loops.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I need that. I need that very bad, actually. Yeah,
1: I will I will find it. It's uh it's repulsive. <laughs> uh, it's it's not worth listening to. Yeah
0: um yeah. another thing about this stunt of playing south central rain then untitled was irs fucking hated it because it created demand for a record that wasn't out
1: like didn't exist <laughs> yep yeah like what are we what are we going to do with this <laughs> like, like this everyone is, wants this to hear
0: this it's not even on the radio <laughs> yeah
1: um pretty you know pretty ballsy and pretty again kind of in retrospect very awesome who knows what it actually does you know yeah
0: no, but it's it's a it's a nice piece of trivia, and again, it's one of those things where even live and stripped of a lot of the you know production niceties that they would have, you know, when they mm-hmm. when they got to reckoning. Even though that is not a very overproduced record, like the entire song is there.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> it, it's missing the intro, which is kind of interesting, and that ended up being we'll talk about that more. Yeah, yeah, uh, next next episode. But uh, it was a little bit controversial nothing <laughs> in they're not so um so essentially that's that's their life at this point still no big changes as far as lifestyle they are still uh living you know uh, at some point like peter buck lived in a hallway you know in th- this house like <laughs> what uh, are you talking about I, I read about that like he he ended up renting out um his friends uh, like, they had a, a house and they didn't have any extra rooms so <laughs> peter buck like lived in like on a sleeping bag in the hallway oh god that was his room like you'd have to walk through through peter's room to like do anything <laughs> Um, so it's still, you know, they're not, they're not killing it money wise, but they're getting right. there and they're right on the edge. And this is going to be the thing that takes them over it, you yes. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about, uh, kind of how the album was produced.
0: Yes. So they, when, when they started putting together demos for this, IRS wanted them to kind of use their guys, you know, well, they, it, it,
1: it wasn't just that they wanted to find someone specifically with a 24 track studio. Yes. Um, as opposed to a 16 track, which is what which Mitch is,
0: Easter had at drive in. <laughs>
1: How quaint is that? Like now that we live in a world of like infinite virtual tracks. Oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, take, the, the, take the, like a, <laughs> like the Flaming Lips back in time and be like, listen guys, you get sixteen. <laughs> yeah, make it count.
0: Like a you know some of the more extravagant Watch Out for Fireballs episodes have mm, I think like twenty twenty two tracks something mm-hmm. like that for the sound effects and
1: stuff. And it's not like we couldn't do that with one track. Oh, of course. You know, like yeah. it, you know, but it's just the uh, it is just it's not very many tracks. Right. You know, um, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, they wanted that 24 tracks. Uh, so they they sent them to this guy uh, named Stephen Haig, uh, yeah. who was a producer who had done like a lot of more kind of new wave stuff. But Haig was really into it. Haig Haig wanted him to do it. Yeah. You know,
0: yeah, well, um, Haig was into the band like he liked yeah, the song Haig, Catapult.
1: Yep. He liked Well, he liked a lot of their songs. Yes. Catapult's the only one that kind of has bubbled to the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, they recorded more than Catapult, though. Hmm. Um, that's the only one that I think that there actually is a, a recording of. Um, and they wanted it, he was trying to make them sound like, um, to me, it sounds like you too. Yeah. Um, it's like the, that YouTube is out of all the YouTubes we put in the show notes for this episode. That is the one that I think is the most mandatory listening. Yeah. Um, you have to listen to it because it's so weird.
0: Yeah. Because like, like the guys are not doing that, anything that different. Right, like the, they're playing the parts. Like "Catapult" is the song. It's just mixed in such a way, and they added this instrumentation. They added, you know, synth keyboards on top of this. They took it up to Boston and, like, hey guys, look what we did for you. <laughs> and they hated it.
1: Well, yeah, they 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 absolutely despised it. Like, yeah. um, and the it's. I mean, there is a little bit more that the guys are doing because they are. There's some like more background vocals. Hmm. Um it's kind of like, this is good. This is going to be crazy. I think it sounds kind of cool. I don't mm. think it sounds like more murm- murmur good, but I would like to hear a band that can write songs as well as REM produce that way. Mm-hmm. Like it's really warm. <laughs> like the whole thing. It's, it's a little, it's too slow. Yeah. Uh, is the, is the big problem with it, but it is like lush in a way that I can appreciate like, in like a Roxy music, like 80s Roxy music way.
0: Yeah. I, I thought, I think it sounds too shiny actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, uh. Th- I mean, I, kind of share their concerns. It sounds very dated
1: at that point. Oh no, one hundred percent. Like I just this is as somebody who likes 80s well, music. Yeah, I don't want this excited. instead of murmur. Like right. I, I just think that it sounds kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll give you uh, that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really, really weird. And they they hate it and they you know, decided not to do it. Like, (laughs) you know, we, we can't do this and it almost made it. So we didn't get that song.
0: Yeah. They, I mean, like even still, you know, I like all of the interviews for like a decade afterwards, like people are like, Hey, that's a, that's a pretty good song. Like, and up until that point that had, that had been like the, the approachable REM song what they came through with, like, Hey, this is going to be a single. Like that was the thing with the most potential, but like none of the band members have anything nice to say about it. Possibly, possibly because when they hear it or when they play it, it, it's that version in their head. It's the Hague version.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's also. I think with the best will in the world, I think that song needs a stronger chorus.
0: Oh yeah, the, uh, um, I, I'm not this that great is, uh, about catapult. Actually, yeah. we'll get
1: to it. It's a weird. It's a weird thing with Murmur in general, where like the songs. Uh, like I love Murmur, but it's mm-hmm. not my my favorite REM record. I no, don't think no. it's their strongest songwriting. And the uh, every song has like at least one part that I absolutely like adore that kind of mm-hmm. redeems the rest of it. Yeah, but they they end up in the too few, a uh, few too many of these like two or three chord really repetitive choruses. Mm-hmm. that kind of have these like uh you know that I, I can't really get into.
0: Yeah, um, uh, I mean, so to, to 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 open the curtain a little bit, we're recording both Murmur and Reckoning today, or at least mm-hmm. our, our, our our estimations of them. I think that Murmur is more important than it is good, even though it's very good. I think Reckoning is more good than it is important.
1: <laughs> I think Reckoning is my favorite collection of REM songs. Yes, on an album. So like. I'm always going to go back to songwriting. Like, Mm -hmm. is always going to be my number one thing, Um, and I think that it hits that throttle of not being overproduced. Mm -hmm. You know, like having like a good sound to it. Yeah. But the songs are just the like the strongest collection. Yeah, I mean we're both
0: we're both in agreement on that.
1: Uh, Yeah. You know,
0: but Murmur, there's so much to recommend it recommended as well. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves or make people think that we're. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, It just it just since it's fresh in my mind since I've been listening to it. Yeah. For the show um so they ended up actually working with mitch easter again mm-hmm. um and uh he you know and and having him come in to uh reflections uh studio in charlotte with don dixon and they had their 24 tracks yes um i forget you know. if this is the
0: album where uh mitch easter and don dixon are credited as machinists as opposed to um <laughs> as opposed to producers there was one album that was either this or the next one where their their credit was really weird
1: it's the next one okay they're they're machinist yeah, this yeah. one doesn't have the credits, the weird credits just quite yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they, they sent out, like, they had this uh, this kind of unified vision uh, for this record. You know, uh, Peter Buck has talked about how he just kind of, like, he knew the sequence more or less going in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had sent out a um, specifically cited uh, Aftermath by the Rolling Stones. Yes. As to kind of make a uh, kind of holistically perfect
0: record. Yes. Um, all, uh, all killer, no filler.
1: Yes. You know and the the degree to which that's successful you know obviously it was hugely successful right. you know it, it ended up working quite quite like that mm-hmm. um, it's really in a lot of ways the way it is kind of produced is very conservative oh yeah um it's there's not a lot of like studio trickery um there's like a little bit of reverb on it. it's a really warm record. Mm-hmm but there's not there's a little bit of studio trickery but not very much. Yeah,
0: and that pretty much just falls down to like oh, we found this weird sound by running a noise gate on on Mike Mills's bass. Yeah, for the something opening. like that. You know, yeah. just like it's, little little tricks, not things that ended up being, you know, central to the song like say the reverse tape loops in uh in Stumble.
1: Yes, exactly. It it feels like a step back from that kind of thing. And um, reading about the production of it, you get this idea that, uh, Mitch, Mitch Easter and Don Dixon kind of wanted to do more of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they are always the guys who are pushing for that, <laughs> you know? And I just, uh, it's not, a, it just wasn't, it wasn't right. And they, right. Came, it wasn't an accident. They came in here and did like an accidental, you know, first album that was, mm-hmm. you know, really, really renowned and semi-perfect. They <laughs> set out and said like, this is what we want to do.
0: Yeah. You know, and it was kind of a, an effort on the band's part to sound more folky. You know the the, the terms mm. like folk rock have no meaning anymore. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so bizarre how that is applied. Like I've also heard REM referred to as country. You know, so, uh, sometime around this era, mostly in the late '80s, early '90s. But like they wanted it to be to to to, to be stripped and reserved is yes. is kind of what it is. Kind of a stark contra- contrast to a lot of the live stuff that we that we've heard earlier. Um, yeah. And even like live versions of these songs sound very different because taken down to just their skeleton, they are rock songs. But here they come through as these kind of just shimmering, shimmering curiosities almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very, very warm and very like 70s sounding to me. Yeah. Like uh, prior to, because this is, you know, 1983, we had had the kind of reaction against the, you know, the reaction to that. You know, like if you if you look at the way music works in a series of kind of calls and responses uh, in in a very real way of like, OK, well, here's disco. And then after disco, there was punk. And then this is kind of a reaction to to that. It feels like, yeah, um, you know, this is this is not the uh, kind of twitchy talking heads, angular abrasive reaction to, you know, to to disco, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of thing. This is, oh, bread was actually pretty good you know, you know
0: like, um i don't know why bread is always such a punchline for me like i know it's not that i dislike the band bread you know what you know what it is it's from the who shot mr burns episode of uh, of the simpsons when homer is reaching down under his car seat and, it, and like with the, the tape that he has that he leaves a fingerprint on mm-hmm. is uh the greatest hits of bread that's yeah. why i laugh at
1: bread well or the uh Hull of blues episode like where can i find the like, latest releases by bread these, <laughs> i just heard them on the king biscuit flower Hour. <laughs> what about the bog rattling bass lines of- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the competent drum work of don brewer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is one of the one of the greats um i actually i since i've been sad i Go to the used DVD store and buy old Simpsons DVDs. And uh, I bought season season seven twice. And those episodes are so good and fresh that I forgot that I already like oh wow watched it six months ago. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't have this one. Yeah, bought it. And then I went downstairs and like, oh, I have it's six and eight. I'm missing, not not seven. <laughs> but I'm not so. gonna complain. Yeah, See, I just have two copies of it. I'll just I was thinking about if I ever like ever had a house and threw parties, mm-hmm. having a room where there's just some like couches and then just season seven of the Simpsons playing on a four disc you know dvd player on repeat oh yeah it's like a real good party thing Mm. you don't want to just take a break you can just kind of sit in here and watch like any 15 minutes in the middle of this this season and and (laughs)
0: it's great in the middle of this particular season of the simpsons
1: yeah it's like it's it's real close to peak simpsons oh yeah like yeah um (laughs) so yeah so it's, it's super warm super 70s uh sounding to me and uh yeah it's 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 super great. They they had um so they they had a lot of extra time uh, like they usually do so they recorded some covers that ended up as B-sides. Yeah. And uh, and we will talk about those uh, after the album.
0: Yeah. That that whole recording things faster. We talked about that on the special episode about Hindu love gods which is yes. going to be available by the time this uh, comes out just that so they had all of this extra room. And it's going to come up more when reckoning comes around. Um mm-hmm. but like the idea that this is a band that wants to do things quick and fast. Um, for two reasons, a, because they don't want to overthink it and they just hate doing that, but also because like as a reaction to, you know, these people like the Stephen Hague, who would come in, make them play to a click track and then say, let's take, you know, the, the, the book that I read was like, we'll take chorus 19 and verse 35. Let's go yeah. like, you're just numbing them. So like the idea, like we're just going to take these guys and, you know, make, make them play live. That was very appealing to them and it was much more efficient. And led to a better product
1: well and it, and also to be crass about it it's cheaper oh yeah you know like they took um like a really small one of the quotes about that Stephen haig experience thing is that they could have tried to pursue like a, a bigger record label mm-hmm. and got you know a much much bigger advance but they got like a two thousand dollar advance from irs mm-hmm. and the kind of the writer to that was hey we can do whatever we want Right. You know, so we're not going to use Stephen Haig. We're going to go to, uh, you know, and, and, and use Mitch Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, so the kind of money is a thing for these guys. Yes. Uh, still early on and will be for for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, they they talk about well into, you know, uh, into reckoning, like not being able to like all four of them splitting like a really shitty hotel room. <laughs> you know, if they're not sleeping on floors or in the van. Right. Or in a hallway. So you know, it's it's yeah. So they're paying all that that back in Athens rent that they can't do anything. <laughs> with. These apartments I keep reading about in this oral history that are one hundred twenty five dollars for four bedrooms. God, <laughs> it makes me. me it makes me sick.
0: I get sick <laughs> to my stomach.
1: Yeah, I'm <laughs> what I would do with one hundred twenty five dollar rent? But it's but
0: but it's crazy because I I, I think back to it. I think uh, when I was in college for like a room in a four bedroom house, I paid like two hundred bucks.
1: I, oh, yeah, I just, when I, I first, get sick, <laughs> the first uh, house I lived out in, I got like the super small room. They had this like really small room that was supposed to be like an office, uh-huh. uh, and I paid a hundred dollars a month for that. Oh, God. And then uh, the uh, after that, I moved into the master bedroom of that house and spent like something like two hundred, two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> a month, around. And it was it was like a five bedroom house or something like that, and the rent was a uh, thousand dollars. <laughs> something like that it was ridiculous yeah yeah even though like, you can go back like any amount of time oh yeah and that. Would be, like when i yeah. when i first moved out to portland like i had like a pretty big two-bedroom apartment for like 750 dollars yeah you know and now that's literally impossible here and right? it's been mm-hmm. seven years yep so this just strangle everybody out Yep.
0: Yep, yep. Yep. (laughs) so a little bit about the reception Um, kind of the sales and chart stuff isn't as interesting they hit number 26 on the charts Uh, they sold 170,000 on their first month which is pretty pretty big the weird thing and looking at what they were stacked up against it seems like such a fluke almost Rolling Stone named Murmur its 1983 album of the year against U2's war Michael Jackson's thriller, Thriller and the Police's Synchronicity you know, all but three that, that, of which are gigantic albums.
1: That's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Like Michael Jackson is and was like the biggest person, you know, the <laughs> biggest entertainer. Yeah. At the time. And it's not like you choose war or the police of synchronicity are small potatoes. Right. Pretty, you know, pretty huge. Yeah. Pretty cool. And they, they again, these guys who I just love were just goofs about it. <laughs> They just thought it was funny. they were like, yeah, you know, it's not a better album than those albums, but like, <laughs> it's pretty funny, you know. <laughs> it's like
0: I can't decide what would be funnier uh, for them to say that, which is which, which is good, you know, cool and good, or for them to say like, well, you know, Thriller's no bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that, that would be an, a, a pretty good joke. But then Michael Jackson would have had them killed, of course. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> but yeah, like this, the, the, it's it, it's a big album, and we should probably talk about it
1: yeah yeah absolutely let's uh let's get into it yeah um so yeah side one side um, one yeah.
0: radio for uh, europe
1: yes um huge deal obviously mm-hmm. um is, this has been recorded before we've already talked about the song in kind of generalities but this version is a little bit different yes um, um
0: so I mean it's it's more produced you know they re- they re-recorded it unlike the uh the version of sitting still which is not re-recorded weirdly enough um so they re recorded it it's, it's
1: hardly re-recorded What's that? Like the version of Sitting Still, like the bass and the vocal parts are re-recorded yes. on Sitting Still.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just bizarre to see how much of the demo they they they, they used uh, here. Though they 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 did this over again. It's it's more produced. Um, it's a little bit more lush.
1: It's also slower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And this caused the band to kind of like there's all that argument about the hip hip version hip tone version of Radio for Europe. And I think the band liked the re- the recording, didn't like the master or whatever, mm-hmm. but generally liked the pace a little bit more. Yeah. Of this, um, this begins with a weird little like bass thing that was used by just getting the signal of like the bass strings with none of the notes. It's like
0: the it's a it's it's like hum. That. Like they ran they 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 ran the bass directly into a, a noise gate just to get the hum and not the actual tone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but besides that, it ends up. Sounding pretty similar. Yes. Um how good is the uh specifically the bass line of like the pre-chorus part of this? Oh I mean it's like <laughs> it's... arc like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like that's that's so good. Oh yeah. yeah. And just like
0: it's one of those things you never see a bass come to the fore unless it is something that is, you know, distinctly meant to sound like Prague. You know, like yeah. it is meant, you know, the bass is there to kind of create the platform for everything else to go around. But Mike Mills is like, no, fuck that. You know, yeah <laughs> you know he's yeah. out there like you know that line is more active than than, than the guitar you know especially yeah. you know especially right before the chorus yeah yeah yep, yep, yep. um i i like this version a lot um for for a couple of reasons um i like the re- the reverb on the uh on the chorus vocals um mm-hmm. a lot <clears throat> or at least yep, the, yep. the lead into the chorus um and the piano is a really good addition i think um, yeah and, yeah
1: you know. Yeah, it's, it sounds great.
0: Yeah, especially just because you know it's not fancy, it is just a couple of chords played very insistently.
1: So mm-hmm. no. still still very good. There is a uh, video for this. Um <laughs> Such which a weird is thing. it's it's bad like their videos don't get good for like literally ever really. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like um but this this is uh this is them kind of walking around these gardens. These are uh Howard Finster's gardens who is a figure that will be uh important kind of the early band is a folk artist from Athens that Michael Stipe was friends with. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he's actually quoted in that, um, oral history book. Yeah. And he's, he's the real deal, man. Like that guy is, uh, is a real weirdo. (laughs) Like uses a lot of turns of phrase that aren't turns of phrase, like omits words from his, is like his real outsider artist kind of guy. Right. Right. Um, so they, they did a lot of stuff with him. They did, uh, this here. they did a set of videos for the next album Mm -hmm. here. Uh, he's the guy who painted the cover for the second album. Um, Howard Finster is kind of a big deal. Yeah, these guys, and this is a hint: the walking around his garden, uh, kind of just for hours, intercut with performance footage.
0: Yeah, much to their chagrin, they would they would have much rather just been them wandering wandering around a garden. Also, with yeah. I think Peter Buck sitting at some kind of like secretary or desk. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yep, yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and then I love the way it ends with them giving a strange doll to an old man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three blood Yeah. <laughs> but yeah um, like
0: it's it, it, you know they the, the band went back and forth about whether or not it was a good idea to uh to use radio for europe again i forget if it was mills or buck who said like we were you know it was it was only a year and a half old but that was ancient history we felt like we were beyond that but like buck. that was yeah, buck. He,
1: buck yeah buck wished that they hadn't put it on the album
0: yeah yeah but like it's a good opening salvo right and it yeah. shows where they came from and and it's a weird little pair with what we're going to be going to and kind of with the rest of the album, except when their more kind of post-punk stuff comes through to the fore, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, second song on the album is Pilgrimage. Um, this is interesting. Like uh starts off with this kind of uh, super reverb singing more or less alone with just this bass piano mm-hmm. um, on it. Uh, kind of reporting or uh, repeating this uh, this chorus thing that will come a little bit later or elements of it. Yeah. Um, it's hard to name a chorus in the song. A lot of these songs have a lot of different parts that are all very simple. Yes. Um, You know, so it's it's kind of interesting. But, um, yeah, this is – wait, you've got to hear in the notes you said it sounds like a Phil Collins song. Yes. Um, it definitely – like I don't know if Phil Collins is the right way to put it, but it is <laughs> – it's a real soft, soft boy.
0: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's very soft. I, like, yeah, it was it was hard for me to like like maybe Phil Collins in Genesis. It just it mm-hmm. sounds not like REM uh, a lot to me. I know that that's a that that is a useless tautology. Um, but um, there's something about about the composition and kind of the the, the, the sparseness and also the re, the the reliance on Bill Berry's like weird little percussion tool set. Yeah, <laughs> you know, at, at the back of it. Um, it sounds like he's playing a bop it back there. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, this is another one that wasn't uh, re-recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something where they use the demo track to sign on the album. Um, and IRS did not like that. Right. Uh, they they had kind of a problem with it. But the band was just like, no, we liked that version. Let's <laughs> stick with it. The chorus here is kind of nice and big. I think that the parts of the song where it works for me is when uh, Stipe is like really stretching the vocals. Yeah to get as much as, as he can. There's a part, like there's a weird bongo post-chorus part near the end where he kind of speaks, sings the beginning and then, you know, it's game. Like he kind of mm-hmm. like does it as like loud as he can. <laughs> uh, that really works for me. Yeah. Um, up until that point though, I can, I'm not the biggest fan of this song.
0: Yeah. I, I you know, it sticks out because it's weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, lyrically this is, um, about this, uh, this or that's actually sorry about that uh this is wait what is this one about i remember reading an anecdote <laughs> i
0: i could not find anything about it
1: um yeah i yeah, I don't know i don't know if i have it i remember reading him saying something about it but if you actually yeah. look at the lyrics it seems pretty abstract
0: yeah yeah um yeah i just i like any time there is that th- there is talk in an interview about what these songs are about i i take it with uh with a grain of salt the size of the hope diamond
1: yeah yeah because yeah, it doesn't uh who even knows this is you know this is i like pilgrimage all right Mm -hmm. um kind of setting the tone um moving on in third track uh laughing yeah uh,
0: here yeah um and this is something that kind of underlines a lyrical theme that pops up a couple times uh stipe loves his classical mythology references in a Mm -hmm. lot of these so you know whether or not you like that is going to be you know uh, a, a concern for you maybe but you can't really understand the lyrics anyway and what you're left with is a really really great song gary i love laughing so much
1: laughing is good <laughs> um i like laughing i i think that uh it does have that two chord two note chorus thing mm. that i don't like where it just kind of goes back and forth when i saying laughing you know with like the two syllables yeah um and that's kind of a thing with the songwriting on this record in general yeah um that's not my fave um but I do like this one. Yeah. Um. You know, it starts off with this very, like, kind of heavy bass to it. Um, And I think the verses are stronger than the choruses. Yes. In uh, the song. And the bridge is good, too. Mm-hmm. It's really just the chorus I don't like that yeah. much. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: There's also, he said before that this is about, Um. he cited specifically that picture. There's, like, a famous picture from uh, World War II of this, like, bald woman carrying her kid yeah uh, going, going down the street and it, everyone is laughing at her
0: yeah it's a it's like a nazi germany i believe she may have been a jewish woman
1: maybe yeah yeah he, he's described it as a rewriting of the scarlet letter as well yeah but i think that that's you know that's not necessarily contradictory with the um you know the the greco-roman myth thing is that he's just kind of taking all this stuff and kind of putting it together
0: yeah yeah just uh putting, yep. putting it into a song just about you know about being somebody who is you know the subject of derision right
1: hmm yeah So it can be about both,
0: (laughs) but yeah, I love, I love the the guitar on this. Like this is, you know, of the softer songs that they've done this time, this, uh, you know, sounds right to me. Um, specifically the riff that he does, um, in the, in the verse.
1: Mm. -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, moving on. (laughs) Uh, it's kind of the big, the second big, like kind of single style song from this album. The other one is really known for is talk about the passion, uh, working title for this podcast. Yep. um, yeah. And uh, talk about the passion, which is when in the last episode, when we talked about gardening at night and people thinking of REM as kind of adult contempo, mm-hmm. this is a song I think of too that mm-hmm. they could think that with. But I like this more than I like gardening at night. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is kind of a, a mid tempo uh, number with these kind of, again, very plaintive, um, plain lyrics. Yes. For much of it.
0: Yeah, uh specifically lyrics about like apathy. You know, he talks about like oh the, the the actual title and you know the chorus is uh kind of a contradiction in terms passion is something that you feel not something you talk about, right? Yeah. Um I like the lyrical content of this more than I like the song itself. I think that it moves mm-hmm. a little bit too slowly for me. Um the lyrics are great. Like the you know when he repeats when he repeats the uh, the line, you know, not everyone can carry the weight of the world. Like, that is, you know, a, he- a heat-sicking missile uh, that is coming after all the sensitive boys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's a, I, I really like it. There aren't very many actual words to the song either. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's just kind of that idea. Um, I've, I've gone back and forth on the song. I've kind of, in re-listening to it for the show, I've been pretty into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mostly they, uh, so they hired a cello player for the song. <laughs> it was just somebody from like the local orchestra they gave him 200 bucks she's uncredited right they didn't give her sheet music or anything and uh it's her part uh and the backing vocals kind of do this as well but during the chorus when it just does that like doom doom like the, that i'm off key but like the the kind of bouncing back and forth that happens mm-hmm. with the strings in the final chorus yeah um really does it for me yeah that's like a really really nice it's like a c to a g mm-hmm. but it's like a really really nice interval yeah um, that, that kind of does it for me.
0: Um, I, I always love when classical musicians kind of interact or collide with pop or rock musicians. You mm-hmm. know, like this is it. It was you know unthinkable to this cellist probably that they would ask her to come in and not have a score. Yeah, <laughs> something for her to yeah. follow.
1: It's the thing I always think about when video games live. It's just like the collectively rolling their eyes and cashing a paycheck i have to do oh it's master chief's love theme okay you
0: know know, i um, I think about uh uh, you know s&m symphony of metallica
1: yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um later on just in classic michael stipe revisionist history mode um he said that the song as opposed to being about apathy generally was about uh, apathy towards world hunger Right. And uh, they actually cut a video. This was a single from their greatest hits, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of weird for eponymous. And uh, the video was uh, homeless people juxtaposed with a warship, shots of a warship. And the end, uh, the message splashed on the screen in 1987. The cost of one destroyer class warship was nine hundred and ten million dollars.
0: That's the thing I like about when Michael Stipe gets political. He uses a real soft
1: touch. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, he's he's real subtle about it. Um, uh, the, uh, it's, it's not that he doesn't have a point. It's, you just imagine him watching Schindler's List and fast forwarding to the end, where, where Schindler's just saying this diamond ring was worth this many lives, and this you know when he just lays out the theme. Yeah. Um The uh, yeah, and he's he's right. Yeah, like you know, de- defense spending is a is a tragedy. Yeah. Um, but the um, yeah, it's it's just a. Uh, you know, <laughs> classic revisionist
0: history oh, of course yeah um moral kiosk this is kind of an abrupt shift into something that has a little bit more of a backbone which is bizarre because this whole side aside from radio Free europe has been you know very soft boy style not yeah. not the band soft boy but um you know I mean, we're gonna...
1: not <laughs> entirely on soft boys <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: <laughs> but yeah this is uh you know like that like this is a town ass song. Um mm-hmm. about televangelists,
1: yeah, uh mostly because because uh, you can get that most of that from the from the title, yeah, I guess, um when I was looking you know the there's not a thing cited in the book that I read, mm-hmm. but the, where did you get the televangelist thing
0: uh that was from uh the perfect circle slash uh oh gosh, remarks remembered
1: kind of line okay. about it, yeah at the time uh the very least at the time this one was written nobody nobody had a thing right, uh, nobody had a had a beat on it it was one of the things where the author is asking other people in the band yeah. what they think it means and they, they just kind of they don't care like the the, um, the
0: one line from stipe about that was like oh well the dictionary defines a kiosk as a
1: <laughs> it's a real yeah sick like a kind place of answer. Where, yeah you know <laughs> and mono means one
0: yep <laughs> um
1: the uh if it's about televangelist it's so abstract as to be almost meaningless oh yeah yeah um you know other than just the title yeah. like the idea of a place to get kind of direction Mm-hmm. on morals um the actual chorus part of this that like uh is crazy like it <laughs> um Cype, like modulates the volume of his voice yes in between lines which you don't hear very much no so it ends up being this kind of the this, this kind of shouting on the offbeat like ah, ah, ah. you know it's mm-hmm. all over the place yeah um and pretty cool yeah like, um, you i know, dig uh dig it
0: and, and like and, and like those those lyrics are very evocative nonsense inside cold dark fire twilight yeah i love angry rem gary
1: yeah uh, it's uh, it's funny though because when uh, kind of uh estimations of this album like this and then you know nine nine and west of the fields like people are just like man they know how to fucking rock it's like nah. and it's not you know this is not very rocking even it just sounds more awake than talk about the passion and right, you know, the right. Previous songs yeah something about the the kind of uniform production of this album um which i actually kind of see as a little bit of a weakness is that like nothing is able ever able to kind of come to the forefront that much it's like mm-hmm. so cohesive as to be almost too cohesive yeah yeah whereas i feel like on uh reckoning the songs are there's like a concentrated effort to make the songs really different from one another yeah yeah. you know and this is something i'm not don't mean to keep bringing up reckoning but like they're you know in a lot of ways uh, it makes sense to compare them right right uh, you know and uh it's still like it's very good it makes like a solid album listening experience that's very very nice but when you start looking at the songs as individuals they can kind of they're so connected.
0: You, you get the sense that they like were so focused on painting that they didn't realize they painted the doors and windows shut.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this, you know, I like Moral Kiosk quite a bit.
0: Yeah, it's uh-huh. it's it's good. It's just one of those ones that like has a couple of good tricks to it. Like Peter Buck gets to do something kind of weird. I love that little guitar bend, you know, kind of kind of trick that he does mm-hmm. um, on the that the kind of punchy the verse punch line. Yeah. Um, but like. Because this isn't a huge standout or one that kind of carried forward, there's almost nothing about it <laughs> later, no, you know, okay. later on. So there's no real story. It is just one of these songs, and we're going to hear about another one uh, later today, probably, uh, where it's like, oh, we could have, you know, we, we would just write twenty two of those at a time, you know, because yeah. it sounds like an REM song. Yeah,
1: and they, uh, there's a. This is a. Yeah. Uh, moving on, so I, I like Moral Chaos quite a bit um i used to like perfect circle and now i don't yeah um so another bummer from the drummer um this is <laughs> this was written by uh bill Berry um on like a shitty casio in his apartment Um mm-hmm. which like that detail i love that because it's such a it's a real detail like i've been in like party houses and band houses when i was young where there's just like here's a shitty keyboard that just around that keeps getting beer spilled on it that people <laughs> would like write songs on every once in a while yeah um but it's so I feel I find this like so too slow and too bland. Like I want another part for it really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wish that the chorus for this was the pre-chorus mm-hmm. or something like that.
0: Yeah, I just this is ballady in a way that I don't think they're ready for yet. Um, like even even the vocal line that dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun it's kind of insipid.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's like it's it can it is kind of like a catchy, nice little melody. It's just if it were part of a more complicated or textured song, mm-hmm. I would dig it a lot more. Yeah. And this is something where, like, people similar to Everybody Hurts, like, I don't know if they ever get quite as good at ba- as ballads as they want to be, right? Um, but uh, similar to Everybody Hurts, like, people will trip over themselves to say, like, this is the most beautiful song ever written, yeah. you know, things like that. And uh, the band all like it a lot, yeah. Um, but I just think it's boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. not super into
0: it i think that uh i think that it uh, is a little bit too splayed out you know yes. there's just not enough happening it, it happens over way too
1: way too much time yeah um there's kind of a funny story about this where peter <laughs> buck when he's interviewed says that uh you know at the end of a tour he hadn't slept in in forever and he went out into the sunset and watched these kids playing baseball
0: <laughs> it was football it was touch it was football, touch football. just snipes sti- 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 says t- it was baseball
1: yeah, yeah, it's um, and it super touched uh, Peter Bucks heart, and he told Michael Stipe about it, and he's like, you know, he did, I could hear my experience in the song. Mm-hmm. I knew that he wasn't, uh, you know, they never talked about football in the song, but like, which, like, can you imagine the song was about football? <laughs> um, like, it's about football. <laughs> like, Get your touchdowns, <laughs> extra points. Let's go to the concession stand. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so the shoulders uh staying too soon, shoulders high in the room is about staying next to somebody at your an old trough. Hot, hot, hot. So yeah, the, the, um, but uh and then he's just like I could just really hear it and I I just love that he put that in there. And then Michael Clay <laughs> like, no, this is one of the songs that I wrote that's actually really direct into my next girlfriend. Yep. <laughs> um
0: I, I don't know. I think we're pretty hard on Peter Buck. He doesn't have the redeeming uh he doesn't have the redeeming dorkiness that Mike Mills has. Yeah, um,
1: getting mad at Mike <laughs> Mills is like getting mad at a hot bunch Sunday. Like, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. no, nobody's going to, you know, going to yeah. treat that guy poorly.
0: Yeah. But um, I uh, I don't know that I would share the story of me crying for 20 minutes
1: over touch football. Th- um, these guys are so, I wouldn't either. These guys are so weirdly like, because it's like part of the whole point of them is not to be calculated. Right. You know, but, uh, I mean, not the whole point of them, but part of their appeal. But then, like, um, something like this will happen where they will say, you know bring up a story like that that's like probably very true and vulnerable and good mm-hmm. you know but I wouldn't have said it like I would yeah. have had some self-awareness to think about how that kind of makes you come off you know right right um <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, no, not a big fan of per, uh, Perfect Circle, uh, but we're going into Side Two, which has a
1: or the band Perfect Circle.
0: Uh, I mean, this is the side. But, but, side but Gary, haven't you, haven't you heard the version of, uh, of of John Lennon's Imagine that's in minor key? It really, <laughs> it's, it's, really gives it a new edge. It makes you look at the lines in a different light.
1: I'm I'm way into uh, <laughs> the things where people take minor key things and make them a major key, though. Okay, yeah. Like I like if you there's a video of somebody doing all of uh the opening verses of everything on Metallica's Kill 'em All <laughs> in major key and it sounds like awesome video game music. Huh. It sounds like really really cool like you know, the mini bosses or something. Right. Um
0: but but, but but that is done to say like hey, like isn't music composition weird? That is not yeah. done to be like oh, we're taking this Girl. and making it we're putting it through a dark mirror.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the the shitty way to do it. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, now we're going to get all the Perfect Circle fans coming after us.
1: Well, that's okay. We get, we'll we we'll start our Perfect Circle <laughs> podcast, our sidecast. Yeah. Perfect Circle Circle. I don't know.
0: Perfect Circle squared. Um,
1: yeah, there we go. Much better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so now we're going to get to the hated and vile catapult.
1: Yeah, vile, <laughs> the villainous catapult. Um, yeah, which is, like, a pretty awake. You know, again, like, I, as I mentioned, you can always hear these, like, awake songs on the beginning of Side 2. Mm-hmm generally uh in in these uh, albums yeah and uh yeah they didn't want to do it as we mentioned uh but they decided they wanted to to record it and uh it's got a little bit of you know a little bit of something to it
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah um the chorus, <laughs> chorus kind of kills me a little bit like the just gotta ball you know like it just don't. yeah i it just it's a little too shout along
0: yeah, it's okay. it's 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 kind of pop punky uh, yeah. to 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 an extent, um, which is which is a regretful because there are parts of this that do feel a little bit country, you know, especially yeah. like the like the high neck, you know, the high neck uh, ascending guitar noodling that, uh, that 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 happens. But yeah, it, it makes it it does make it sound childish, which might be part of the point. The the thing that I read, like uh, <laughs> Michael Stipe's kind of explanation for this was, well, I hurt myself a lot as a kid.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely about you. You know, yes. definitely about being a kid mm-hmm. one way or another.
0: Yeah. When so. we were little boys, when we were little girls. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, moving on to, uh, to sitting still. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, there's another demo of this, that this more or less sounds pretty much like.
0: Yeah. I mean, this right. is on the, like, this is on the hip tone demo. Yeah. Cool. yeah.
1: Yeah. So old song.
0: Yeah. Um, and a great song. I like sitting still an awful lot.
1: Yeah. Sitting still is very really good. Yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot to it. Um, it's got that really great, um, the uh, uh, kind of cor- the the chorus lines, mm-hmm. which don't make any, you know, don't make a whole lot of sense. Of course. Like the like up to par and Katie bars the kitchen, you know, <laughs> and I guess like um, Michael Stipe said something like Katie, you know, Katie bar, the kitchen door, something like that. It was like an old Southern saying. Mm hmm. Um, and nobody could find anything about it. Um, I, th- I and- think I
0: think that's Michael Stipe's go to thing because that's what he yeah, said about so losing too. my religion.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's what I, I. Well, the losing my religion one is interesting because he said that and then somebody found like a reference to it in like a 20s <laughs> thing. So it is. It's just him being, you know, being super Stipey. Right, right.
0: You know? <laughs> Katie bars.
1: Yeah, it, it's like Katie bar the kitchen door. Like bar the kitchen door was a saying and mm. maybe it is. It doesn't matter. Right, right. Um, but it is is just kind of a weird weird thing.
0: Yeah. So. But I'm happy that you know again I'm happy that you know both of those both of those standouts from the demo found their place in the pantheon on the on, you know, on this album as part of the debut because they're part of the history, right? Yeah. And like, let's pick them up, dust them off. They didn't have to do much and they're here and they represent like very much what the band sounded like live in a way that the rest of the album doesn't.
1: Yeah. I'm just, I'm just happy that White Tornado didn't make it on. <laughs> Me too. So the, uh, yeah. Um, moving on to, uh, to Nine-Nine. Oh, uh, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. So, <laughs> so the, the, when I was reading about, uh, this, um. They like on,
0: Nine-Nine an awful lot. Um.
1: Well, they, they do. Yeah. They do. And one of the reasons why they say it is because they were like, you know, yes, we like the birds and we like old country bands and stuff. But we also were into, like, Gang of Four and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I can kind of see it like this has that weird kind of stuttery bass, Yeah. And it's a little bit more punk than it is, but still run through the Murmur production. Right. You know? Um, yeah. It's a weird, it's a real weird song. I think it is a like, I like it as an experiment more than stumble because it's half as long.
0: <laughs> okay. There so, we go. So yeah, like that, that's yeah.
1: really, that's about it.
0: Yeah. That'll, that'll forgive a lot of, uh, a lot of sins. It's just not pleasant to listen to like it is there's nothing to grab onto and you know like something doesn't have to like uh, you know, appease me at every at every step of the way and it's not man, I'm I'm qualifying so much of this cuz my instinct is to say it feels like the rhythm section is playing different songs mm-hmm. but they're playing a similar song they're just off by about a half step
1: <laughs> it's um the rhythm section i think is doing something very complicated yeah that the guitar and kind of vocals and the rest of the song are not matched up with yeah you know, so it's like the I, I have faith that like, you know, uh, uh, Barry and, and, and Mills could like do this kind of like twitchy. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that's entertainment style like <laughs> bass stuff. And then uh, but it's just it's, you know, shackled onto an R.E.M. song. Right. Right. In this weird way. Um, I actually like the chorus of this song. Yeah. Uh, a little bit. And it it is really droning. It, it does. It doesn't switch between notes a lot. It's mm-hmm. the same note, you know, that that give me a couple. Thing, uh, but it does that thing where that you do a run up to a, a line mm-hmm. where it says like, you know, give me a couple, give me a couple of pointers, like it, and then we'll finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which I always like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is even for REM songs. This is really unintelligible and is purposely. So. Yeah, um, yeah. They did it on you. You couldn't understand the lyrics on purpose, other than him saying, uh, "Conversation fear" mm-hmm. at the end.
0: Yeah, I think that is much more successful on Harbor Coat.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah that that, that strategy um, but like again it's 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 good for them to kind of go for it the lyrics are not the problem here i just i just think it's a it's a mess
1: yeah i don't i don't love it
0: and i was um, like i was looking like, I was like okay well th- this may be a situation where it's probably better to to watch live when it's stripped of that per- of that production right like maybe yeah. it's going to hand together better it just it just kind of doesn't for me there's
1: a yeah I mean me either. And it almost didn't make it on the album. There's a couple like little bits of trivia about this. Um so, like one, uh, they tried to do this for Chronic Town, mm-hmm. and that version was like six and a half minutes long oh, and didn't Jesus. go anywhere. So yeah. This is them their restraint version. Uh <laughs> two, they didn't want to add it to the album. Like the band didn't want to. No. But uh IRS Records president, uh Jay Boberg, said like, Hey, I like that song, would you put it on the record? Yeah. You know, and they were kind of that's, again it, them kind of being, you know, flattered. They were like this is kind of sweet uh, because we know this isn't going to be a single, but you still want it on the record. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, So I could see them, you know, it makes sense uh, kind of narratively why it ended up on there. (laughs) Right. It doesn't have a good place in the album. No, you know? Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, especially
0: sitting between sitting still and shaking through both of which are again, more representative of of, of what they, of what they sound like, you know? Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, you know, but I would say if you put sitting still and shaking through next to each other, that would be, oh, be way too way much too, of like a way,
0: way too similar. Yeah,
1: yeah, because those are similar. Those are like the the burning down ages of you yeah. of murmur. <laughs> um, so yeah, shaking through. Mm-hmm. Um, I
0: like this. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's definitely a little bit of a workhorse. Um, again, the, like you know, Mills comes through and and he shines, but it's middle of the road yeah (laughs) it feels like they it feels like they slapped the piano onto it to give it some kind of identity or fingerprint
1: yeah yeah and the piano is very nice um they recorded that uh very specifically they had two pianos like a nice piano and a shitty piano (laughs) i think there's a song where they recorded both of them together yeah yeah um which is which is pretty nice
0: they did that on uh, perfect circle as well
1: Um, yeah it was, it was
0: barry and mills who were playing the piano on that
1: yeah, which is I I like that quite a bit, mm-hmm. um and I actually like the um the kind of post-chorus kind of bridge part at the end of this, again because it it gets really high up and kind of strains. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it kind of comes along, but it's a, you know, I, I mean, I like this song just fine. It moves mm-hmm. moves the album along yeah. without standing out too much.
0: <laughs> that is damnation by the faintest of praises. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because i like that song too you know i think the lyrics are really good like you know again speaking to the sensitive boys could it be that one small voice doesn't count in a room
1: <laughs> yeah like
0: there there's a reason this band spoke to me so much as a you know as a young teen
1: mm-hmm. i like i love that uh that line too because it's stretched over so long <laughs> like it's a long long sentence for for an album lyric yeah and it just it goes over the entire like all of the chords you know um kind of pretty impressive kind of vocally yeah the lyrics uh, in this. um next up is weird we walk which is a real weirdo uh song
0: yeah uh, this is like uh so, it's it's like a roy orbison transplant or something like that
1: yeah yeah um they had a really hard time kind of doing this song because it's got uh it's so like kind of lockstep
0: yeah it's um, uh like and buck wasn't the problem it was or uh, no barry wasn't the problem it was buck
1: Yes. Uh, so they ended up having to do this to a click track because they needed to be right on point um, with those guitar things, which is, you know, just, j- 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 you know, it, it's real. It's yeah. real like a it, real march. Yeah, it, it's
0: the it, you know, march is exactly is exactly, exactly yeah. what it would be. Um, and, you know, Buck is just doing these straight major chord arpeggiations. So, you know, it sounds like a sped mm-hmm. up a sped up uh, major key version of, oh, gosh, everybody hurts almost mm-hmm. on this
1: thing. Um, yeah, I, I actually really like this song. Oh, wow. Um, it's, I like it because it doesn't sound like all the other songs on Murmur. Okay. Um, so it breaks things up a lot. Um, I think that it does, the beginning of it, where it sounds like super nursery rhymey, mm-hmm. um, has a cute origin. Like, uh, the, the lyrics were written because Stipe had a friend who lived on the second floor and would sing something like this whenever they walked up the stairs.
0: Up to the, up the stairs to the landing, up the stairs to the hall.
1: Yeah. Would, would sing that as he walked behind her. And I think that's cute. Mm-hmm. You know? and then when we get to the outro part this like take oasis part yeah um i I love it like it, it sounds like ridiculously huge and like you know, i hate this word but it's like epic sounding yeah, yeah in a way i really appreciate which is added by the one piece of like dumb studio trickery i've ever thought like really works uh for these guys which is um they recorded this they were near a bar and they recorded these guys playing pool yeah and then and it sounds like thunder hmm. like i always thought it sounded like hiding from a thunderstorm yeah.
0: and it comes out of fucking nowhere too is what yeah. happens
1: yeah um it really works for me like i don't know yeah. i like this song quite a bit
0: yeah i just think it's a little bit too um a, a, a little bit too twee um and a little bit repetitive for my for my particular taste um and what yeah, i expect you know
1: it's both of those things and like a lot of songs on uh murmur it's saved by an end like a bridge at the end of the song yeah yeah where things kind of break out
0: you know, <laughs> and that's something like Peter Buck has come out and said like I have no idea why I put so many chords in those songs like he was insecure about his place as like a guitarist in yes. this. so like you know he will make these 15 chord songs but he won't use them all at once he'll just do these little like modal shifts
1: right yeah yeah so it, work- it works for me on this album and, and doesn't like I- it's overly dramatic to say it saves some of the songs but I does- do think it makes some of them that just sound very murmury yeah much more interesting. Um, and then uh, you know, the album ends with uh, West of the Fields.
0: Yeah. Uh, this was a collaboration, but I read who they collaborated with well after I took these notes. So mm-hmm. I might rely on you to say who actually helped write this.
1: Uh, Neil Bogan. I don't uh, know who that is. <laughs> he is a guy. He's like a scene guy. <laughs> okay. Um, who, who they like to wrote uh, the lyrics with them and kind of help them write it. Um, it's pretty simple. Yep. Uh, the song and uh kind of you know about this uh this mythology reference with these elysian fields mm-hmm. um and yeah this is another one where people are just like if you thought rem couldn't rock <laughs> you know until you hear west of the field which is
0: crazy because that isn't the thing that like is is remarkable about it it's not the relative volume or the distortion on the guitar it is just how dark and atmospheric it is
1: it is really dark and atmospheric yeah Um, The chorus is doing that too, you know, that shout along thing I don't like. Right, right. Uh, You know, uh, the West of the Fields part of this, I think, is kind of frustrating. Yeah. Um, But again, it has that late game bridge thing like that. the animals are strange part Mm -hmm. is like one of my favorite moments on this album. (laughs) Like and and it's like my favorite thing to close this out, like because it's so it's so good. Like anytime Michael Stipe has to get to the very top of his range and like Mm -hmm. only barely makes it. Yeah. um, That's always going to do it for me.
0: Yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> gosh, I forget. Is this no? It's it's going to be next episode where we talk about the live show where he does uh, he does a falsetto that just does not work. At
1: all. No, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I love that. Uh, it's the, it is listed here as the third chorus. Uh, the antelopes are strange, trying to sicken me. Yeah, um, just a nice little nice little couplet there.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, so th- you know that's the part that that's my you know the favorite part of the song. Kind of ties it together for me. No. Yeah um it's a weird ending track like uh they don't they t- i think they tend to end more intentionally than this on later records mm-hmm. you know i don't know what would have been you know the better ending <laughs> yeah for it, but
0: i, I don't I, I i couldn't pick a song of these that actually that actually has a more definitive you know kind of stop like yeah. maybe, maybe they could have opened with something like laughing or with, uh, with sitting still and then close with radio free Europe. That'd be the that only way worked. like, yeah. but that's sequencing it. Like it's a live, it's, it's a live performance, you know, having yeah. a closer.
1: Um, and this, the, you know, this ends the, the record, um, the, as a whole, like, as I mentioned, um, you know, I think that if murmur has a weakness, it is that unification mm-hmm. that it has. And that could be you know, in no way objective and more just to my taste. Right. Right. Or like, I'm I'm usually into second album weirdos that have like a lot more variance, uh, in kind of the song feels, you know, the, the kind of tone to the songs. Yeah. It's um. I,
0: I think that it does work that that unification does work against them, especially when they are trying to bring forward, you know, these things that do sound like a rougher, you know, <laughs> more rough and tumble version of what they of, of what they actually are. Like at this point, when you when you hear them live, so things like Moral Kiosk or, uh, shaking through or you know, sitting still, all all, all of those. I think, I don't think they benefit from kind of the polish that, that, that is put here and the slower, more kind of like sprawling things. Talk about the passion, perfect circle. I think that like they're more at home in that kind of environment. I just don't know that there's enough going on with it there. And it sounds like I'm very down on this album. I think that it's aside from nine, nine, there's not a skip on this.
1: Yeah, I, I will. I will skip perfect circle generally. Um, but other than that i don't think there's really a skip i think as an actual album holistic experience it's very nice mm-hmm. you know like it it is a nice like very soft album which i like yeah you know but coming it it just doesn't do it tons of favors being sandwiched between uh reckoning and chronic town right both of which are just much more lively
0: yeah and that's that speaks more to what i think both of us value at least until like we get to the warner days and like they've transitioned into being something that doesn't that doesn't have the weight of how awesome chronic town is on top of it (laughs) you know like they're a different band at that point
1: um so it's absolutely mandatory listening like really 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 fantastic album and lays down the groundwork for a lot of what they're going to do right it's just as for my personal taste You know, I just like some songs a little bit later. Um, Before we totally move on to the kind of outtakes things, a couple of little trivia bits we didn't really talk about. Uh, So R.E.M. likes to uh, name their albums in weird ways or, you know, have their album sides. Mm -hmm. And this one's kind of minor in that respect. Most albums have an A and B side. This has side one and side two. Mm Not that big a deal. But we should talk about the cover a little bit.
0: Yeah, this cover is fantastic.
1: Yes, Uh, I love it. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, so it's just this uh, section of kind of this wooded area covered by kudzu.
0: Yeah, it's a it's like uh, a waterfall of kudzu um, yeah. kind of like offset by this very, you know, like the, the the type on this is very subtle and kind of like integrated into it. Uh, and and kudzu is a fucking mess. I yeah,
1: <laughs> it's it's so
0: cool looking. Yeah,
1: like they, uh, they they talk about it being kind of an intentional thematic statement where. It's something that to most people will look like, like an alien landscape, mm-hmm. but it's something that if you're from the South, you'll like understand. Yeah. And it was kind of a, you know, a shout out or kind of a, a tribute to their Southern, you know, like this is a Southern band. It's a yeah. easy thing to forget, you know, but this is a Southern band and they're very enriched in the South. Yeah. You know?
0: It 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 is the kudzu that is strangling our Dixie. Like, did you know that? Like, if you like rip down kudzu and you don't burn it, and if you burn it, it's it, it's toxic. But if you just like throw it away, it will grow from the from the trimmings. Yeah, like it is. Yeah. I think it's from Japan, maybe. Sorry, I'm I'm turning into kudzu facts, but I've got a lot of family from the South, and like I was fascinated by it when I took trips down, you know, down to South Carolina and Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on the back, there's kind of a uh, like I wanted to say a famous trestle, like like a like a trestle around Athens
1: <laughs> you know, you know, the, you the, know like the the there one are that yeah. swept the trestleys yeah. and yeah, it's the famous
0: trestle next to that cool field. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's famous because because they featured it on this, but it is a it is a, a railroad trestle that again has this uh, greenery around it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it, it is it is fantastic packaging around this that does make a statement about where they're from and as kind of their their debut you know it's important to have that part of your story of where you came from even if you're going mm-hmm. national right
1: yep yeah i really really love it um there's some uh, kind of outtakes live stuff we're going to talk about as well yes uh, as we do
0: yep there are two that are not bullet pointed here in the notes uh specifically the the covers that they did in the studio uh the tighten up by archie bell and the Drells, and the uh there she goes again the uh, mm-hmm. the, uh Oh gosh, Velvet Underground. Um, the Archie bell and the drill thing was it, it. It very much just sounds like something they did for fun. That song is great. I love Tighten Up. I don't know that mm-hmm. I needed REM to do it.
1: No, they're they're just fucking around. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's there's no reason to listen to the REM version of that. Like, <laughs> like well, it's we, longer. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Um. Yeah, that's just them them kind of goofing at, goofing around. Right. Um. Their version of uh, There She Goes Again is a little bit more successful. Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's actually kind of a good version of that song. Yeah. Um, and that's velvet underground is a weird kind of influence for these guys that doesn't get, you know, cited all that often.
0: No, no. It's something that all of them would say, especially around this time, but like mm-hmm. the press would try and pin them more to the birds.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, you know, I can hear, hear it, but I can hear a little bit of the, the velvet underground in there as well. Yeah. Uh, because of that velvet underground cover that REM did. Uh, I got into the Velvet Underground. Oh,
0: well.
1: <laughs> so, like, I would not have listened to the Velvet Underground if it weren't for R.E.M. covering them.
0: Hey, man. Any road you take.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, So as far as other outtakes, kind of before we get to the, the live stuff. Yes. Um, there's a song called uh, Romance. Which would turn out uh, turn up on Eponymous later. Yes, be the kind of like the one thing to get hardcore fans to buy a greatest hits album, <laughs> you know. Uh, and it worked on me. Like I, yeah. I bought Eponymous to get uh, to get my hands on Romance. Yeah. Um, this is an earlier version. Uh, Mitch Easter loved this song. Okay, one of his favorites, and uh, just kind of never made it into an album.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was an Ages of You. Never yes. uh,
1: always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Um, like, like ages of you, which also ended up being, right. And I, I actually, I like both these songs. Okay. Um, I like romance. I like ages of you a lot. Yeah. Um, I would have traded out a murmur version of either of these songs for, you know, for, for nine, yeah. nine or something. Maybe not. I mean, they sound a little bit more middle of the road, but I, I might've, cho- you know, trade them out for one of the, you know, for a sitting still or shaking through, or one of the kind of like just murmur ass murmur songs mm-hmm. would have had something a little bit more poppy which both of these are
0: yeah yeah um i like age of ages of you a little bit more than romance last time we recorded i was a little bit down on ages of you um Mm -hmm. romance just feels a little bit too call and response style for me yeah um and yeah it just doesn't it doesn't work as well i think as ages of you does and i think that like as (laughs) as they keep trying as they're like oh we've got this thing laying around why don't we bring it out and just run it through whatever production we have at the time like ages of you works with murmur production
1: yeah, I, I think so, too, even though I think my favorite Ages of You is the, the Chronic Town version. Yeah. But I would have liked that tempo with this production on this album. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of I'm, I'm being my own little Stephen Hague. <laughs> um, the uh and and romance, like I'm always gonna be a sucker for like even when I was in a band, I'm really into the dent, 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 you know, like that that kind of guitar.
0: Yeah. I like uh, that I, I, I like that for a not... breakdown or a bridge. I don't like her for the entire thing. It's exhausting. <laughs>
1: well the, the it's the chorus is is very like weird and sprawling in that song though. Hmm. So it, it's I think it is as a contrast. I think that song needs another part. Yeah. Uh romance more than anything. Um but there's it's I didn't know that it was this old, so it was cool to to find that through research. Yeah. And then, um, another, uh, I would take a song called that beat, which I also think is pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's not like not produced enough. It's, but this was never going to end up on an album and <laughs> right. never ended up on a B side or anything. There isn't yeah. a more produced version of this. It's just a song that they used to play live mm-hmm. that they do in the studio here.
0: Yeah. Um, in the studio, like they just mix it in with all their studio chatter. It's all of their extra. stuff that they, that they didn't want to lose. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and you know, snipes a little bit out of key, but like, it's a, it's, it's a good, like jaunty song
1: mm-hmm yeah. like the the chorus like ding, 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 ding. like yeah. like i'm 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 into that kind of hanging on that last note after a little climb yeah yeah thanks so actually like the outtakes on this album i think are pretty good yeah um any of which i would have seen you know i feel like with a little bit different sequencing and stuff could have made a part in their actual you know in the the actual albums that they've put out yeah you know um they also uh did some live stuff <laughs>
0: yep like, <laughs> like 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 bands do Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there are no. two, uh, two two shows. So there's a, a live show that was done on uh, in Toronto that is on the deluxe edition that you can get on Apple Music, and I imagine is available in a lot of other places. That's just where I got it. Um, and again, we have this you know kind of idea of like each one of these albums for their first you know three or four was a bridge the next. So we get stuff you know from Reckoning that is featured because they were writing it on the road as they were touring in support of Murmur.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this also kind of shows uh, both of the the live shows in this episode we're covering and and the ones for for this album kind of show the playful R.E.M. side that does all these covers.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So this is that's going to be more in the the live show we are featuring next episode. But here Mm -hmm. uh, they close with uh, California Dreamin. Um, And (laughs) that's that's the Boston one. Oh, yeah. Whoops. Um, For for a different uh, different live show. They do that. (laughs) Yeah. So.
0: But yeah, I mean, like we, we we talk about that, like the like the shows sound very similar. You know, they're just mm-hmm. they were recorded, I presume. The Same it's
1: just different. Y- yeah, yeah,
0: yeah they're just months months from each other. Um, but uh, but yeah, that California corny, that, yeah, that California Dreamin' cover is pretty good.
1: California, uh, boy, uh, cornucopia Dreamin'. <laughs> yeah, That's what corny- I was trying to go for. But
0: <laughs> both of us are tripping over California.
1: Why is uh, that so hard to, hard to say? <laughs> It's been um, a long
0: day. Um,
1: it, is, it is real good, though. They're yeah. suited to that kind. They're suited to the mamas and papas.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, just like it, it's those harmonies. You you have Bill Berry and Mills, you know, getting up there and just kind of being their own stipe off on the side.
1: Yeah. 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 Or, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good. You know, all these live song, these live sets are are very good. I think one of them is officially released. Um, as, like, was a bootleg called Return of the Rickenbacker or something like that. <laughs> or, like, Revenge of the Rickenbacker. I don't
0: like that one so, bit.
1: Nope. <laughs> um, the REM bootleg scene uh, has a bunch of really bad album names. Yeah. Um. In one of the uh, the books I was reading, uh, they talked, somebody bootlegged an early show from this era and put out a, uh, or it might have been from the, uh, the Chronic Town era, actually. So I apologize for the bleed uh, between this and Jazz Labs, but the, um, <laughs> yeah. they put out a cover and it's the Gargoyle from. It's a drawing of the gargoyle from the Chronic Town cover. Okay. But when you fold out the tape, um, below its waist, it's holding a—it's a erect a dick. And it, it, and it's, it's called like Slurred or something like that. It's like REM. Slurred. Okay,
0: that's pretty funny. And
1: it shows the gargoyle.
0: I mean, it's like, crass and it's really, really yeah. fucking dumb, but it's pretty yeah. funny.
1: I, I'm pretty into it actually. Yeah.
0: Like I get my hands on that. Um, yeah. Um, so should we do uh, favorite, least favorite?
1: Yeah, let's let's do it. And this is not a this is no b sides or anything. This is just a murmur.
0: Right, right. Um yeah. Um, um yeah, go, go for I, it. I, I can do mine. So my my favorite is going to be Laughing. Um mm-hmm. I think that that is kind of the most enduring of the ones like and I'm I'm accepting like Radio for Europe like that that I feel just, you know, is is its own separate thing and I don't want to I want to zag when I should zig, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh but uh, but I think Laughing uh just uh, sounds most like them at this point. Um I think that it is uh, just a just a really good solid song that fits in on this album um and is not you know, doesn 't fall into the trap that uh talk about the passion or perfect circle do. Um, for least favorite, it has to be nine nine. It just it just mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. I can't imagine that it. W- I can't imagine the album that it would fit in on. And on its own merits, singled out. It's like, yeah, this is uh, like th- this seems very intentional. You're just intentionally trying for something that I just have no interest in. Should should have polished up that beat put that <laughs> beat
1: there because it sounds yeah. you know awake and twitchy. Yeah. Between and sitting still and shaking through. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh put nine 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 as a B or nine nine as a, a side. Mm-hmm. Nine nine basses, nine guitar <laughs> offers. The uh, Andrews. Um, I, I I'm not gonna accept a uh, Rio for Europe. I think Rio for Europe's the best song on here. Okay. Um I would put that as my favorite. And it's the one who I that I wanna listen to the most, um, going back to it. Yeah. Um so I, I definitely give that my favorite. And then uh I would I still think I would rather listen to nine nine than Perfect Circle. Mm. Um Perfect Circle makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> 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 I can't handle like these like, you know, uh boy there's there's another song in the next album too. whenever whenever they just like really slow down and get into yeah. the like Kumbaya thing, I just I die yeah. inside. Yeah, um, I can
0: I have sympathy for that.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. I mean it's not like you know, there's good things about that song. You know, it's not like they're unpretty melodies, but mm-hmm. it's uh its weird though. Like, I really like, um, like "Way in the Future" and "Up." They do uh, "At My Most Beautiful," which I like. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, that's very um, good, and that, that's a good song. So it's there's something about this specifically that just doesn't work for me yeah
0: um like I, I don't know like it's it, it, like i am shifting and there there probably is a little bit like a little bit of hypocrisy baked into it but like my expectations differ depending on the era like there are things they can get away with in up because that's just who they are at that point and, well, I, and who it, they
1: and who they weren't you know like yeah. who they they were trying to figure out yeah you know up like i, ex- I excuse a lot of stuff on up because <laughs> they were they were broken you know yeah. as a unit um yeah. Yeah. So you know, that's kind of how it is for me. But if I'm if I'm listening to this album and not doing it for research, I will skip Perfect Circle. I will skip nine nine. Yeah. Um I some you know, sometimes will not, you know, there'll be tracks I don't finish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is it is a really, really good album. It's also one of the things about us doing the show is that like this is was I listened to this so many times. Yep. You know, like this is one <laughs> of the first albums I've had and I've this might be the the single album I've heard more than any other album. Yeah, you know, so there's definitely a little like an element of fatigue where I just kind of like, okay, you, you, you just know, I, you just I, know, I know it. it. Yeah, yeah, um, which is kind of you know a a a, uh, a victim of you know being the you know one of their most well known albums. Yeah, you know. So.
0: Yep. You know, I'll repeat what I said toward the beginning. This I think this album is more important than it is than it is excellent or great. I think that mm-hmm. I think the reckoning is more excellent and great than it is important.
1: Yeah. 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 And we're gonna get to it. Yep. Um thank you guys for, for listening to this uh, the show. As always, if you go to the page on duckfeed.tv for this episode, you will find a list of YouTube links yep. of things you can listen to when we talk about live shows and B sides and stuff. Yep. Uh, you can find uh, them all there.
0: Gary is not willing to take credit on those, but I will say, hey, Gary put those together and they're great and they helped me do research as well.
1: Thanks. Yeah, it's it's been the most pleasurable, like one of the most pleasurable parts about doing the show has been, because, you know, something like, and I know I keep harping on it, I know it's not a masterpiece, <laughs> but I had never, I'm a really big REM song and I never heard that beat mm-hmm. before because I didn't have a reason to like try to do a deep dive and find outtakes from Murmur specifically. I just figured everything they had outtake. Had ended up on a B-side or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it's kind of, you know, and I, man, I don't know if I talked to you about this, but around 1988, they start uh, a fan club Hmm. and they have Christmas singles. And those are great. Oh, wow. I've been checking those out and they are like weird. Um, Because I'd I'd heard uh, they did do a cover of Academy Fight Song by Mission of Burma, Hmm. uh, which is my favorite Mission of Burma song. Yeah. And um, it's really good. Uh, and I was like, oh, I wonder what this is from. You know, finally, like, dug into it. And once we get to around then, there'll be a couple really cool, weird songs that they did just for people who are part of their fan club. Oh, well, Including some unlistenable experiments, <laughs> stuff, which is always always fun. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah so, what else can they do well, other than uh, look at that? that well,.
0: Page. Um, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. I haven't gone and checked just because the show is, is so no uh, as of the time we're recording this, we just put out the Chronic Town episode. We're a little bit ahead, but, um, that always helps us out. That helps us get a new and noteworthy that helps more people find the show. Um, and, uh, you know, if you like us, share us, please, uh, take us to social media, take us to your friends, you know, you know, who, who, who like REM or have heard about them or who you are trying to convince that REM is, you know, pretty great. Um, all of that helps us um and uh gives you a friend to talk about the show with.
1: Yeah. Hold an intolerable listening party. <laughs> oh, S- sit, a- sit around. <laughs>
0: no, no, no no comedy whatsoever, really. Mostly just yeah, people just,
1: humming guitar lines. <laughs> yeah, just, just just listen to, to the uh at record and then listen to us talk about it in silence. <laughs> and then go back to your own respective homes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and we can only do the show because of the support that we get on Patreon. That is at DuckFeed.TV slash Patreon um, or Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Both of those work. Um, yep. And uh, your generosity has helped us make this show a part of our lives and a part of yours.
1: Yes. Um, also of, of note, uh, coming up um, be- after you you hear this um, is uh, Duck Spring. Um So it's the yes. community live stream charity event. Uh, that is done once a year by people in our community. Mm-hmm. It is March fifteenth,
0: March the uh, I believe the seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth, uh, going into the twentieth.
1: Yeah, that sounds much much more accurate. Um, on <laughs> well, the, I just said with uh, on-
0: certainty was the thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's the, well, it, it, and it is it does happen to be true on uh, on the seventeenth um, that night. Uh, if you want to stay up late with me, I'm going to be re- uh, live streaming the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus and Anti Birth. Mm-hmm. Um, for A few hours. And uh, yeah.
0: Yep. Um, and I will be, I believe, playing on Sunday morning. There will be a schedule uh, posted for that. But uh, it's our community coming out and uh, streaming video games to help uh, raise money for the Transactive Gender Center, a nonprofit that uh, d- that does very important work to assist and aid uh, transgender youth and their families and also provide education uh, for their schools.
1: Yes, yeah. And uh you know, help uh it's it's really it's really phenomenal. Yeah. So, um yeah, very proud of of everybody for bringing that together. Yeah. Um I think that's about it.
0: Just about, yeah. Um yep. also uh in the in the charity uh kind of side of this, I believe that this comes out shortly after the uh the Diggity Duck bundle is the oh, thing. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Uh yes. yeah, this 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 comes out actually well after. Uh, or yeah well after that Uh, yeah but that is uh, a bundle of shows that we've done from across the network including an episode of file underwater about the Hindu love gods hear us talk about really really dad style blues rock done in a drunken Uh, fever
1: uh, yes (laughs) Yes. it was the place for R.E.M. side projects (laughs) Um, until until eventually we want to do another charity project and we do an entire hour on the baseball project (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which uh Let's not do an hour on the baseball project. No, I'd rather not. Um, it's real cute. Like It's it's real Mike Mills being a dad. I don't know if he has kids, but it's like just him in a baseball cap, holding a Budweiser, kind of <laughs> playing some songs. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're, we, uh, we're, we talk about the Hindu love gods. Um, there is one copy of all or almost all of our shows mm-hmm. uh, in that, including a couple of cool special things. Um, you get to uh, hear the abject suffering we did with Steve Gainer of uh, Fulbright fame uh, upcoming mm-hmm. Tacoma. And gone home, a uh, Mortal Kombat Combat 4. Yep. Uh, that was super fun to do. Yep. Um
0: you get to hear a bonfire side chat that we do with Jim Crawford of Frog Fractions Two.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then just kind of an, an episode of all our things. There's a watch out for fireballs about Pac-Man two. Um real, real good stuff. Yeah. You know, episode of this, uh episode of the level, episode of those damn Ross kids. Uh, Teenage Dirt Bags on uh, Don't Deny Your Heart. So our hot chip <laughs> for this year is uh, in that bundle because we're yeah. trying to get people to buy it. Um, <laughs> all, chari- all proceeds go to charity. And uh, we would really, really appreciate you uh, checking it out. And you get something cool as well. Yep.
0: So you can find that. Uh, there will be a banner on TV slash store.
1: Absolutely. Um, and until next time, it is the end of the show as we know it.
0: And we feel fine.
1: No boss. No We did it with a lot more confidence
0: there. Yes, I need to use that as well. We're
1: getting there. We're we're growing like REM did.
0: Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'll be back in a minute.